You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. My name is Steve Littman. Welcome to the Gastroenteritis Blues. My name is Steve Littman. I did it on the wrong side. <laughs> um, I am joined by only Emily Cannell, as this week Dan is out with load management. So I ask you, <laughs> Emily, first question of the podcast that I will answer as well. What will you miss most about Dan during this episode? Um, I will miss Dan drinking like twisted teas or like mm-hmm. Mike's hard lemonades. Like those are his beverages of choice, which I always find really endearing. Um, so I'll miss that a lot about Dan. I've got a few things. One is the TV that's over his shoulder that mm. usually has something more entertaining than us. Yeah. So, and so he'll give his answer and then he'll crane his neck and look around at the TV. It's great. Um, I will miss his smile. Uh, as we have a video version here, we're still working on that intern. We'll get you guys videos. Um, but also, um, oh, kid's got an impressive wingspan. When we met in person, he's got, he's got long arms. Mm-hmm. I miss those. I got to see Dan on Friday and give him a Did you? I was going to ask you. It was really funny because it, I saw him at halftime of the game and I was coming from the bathroom and I knew what section he was in. So Jordy was already like outside Dan's section. Cause we knew we were going to meet him. And then, but they were like standing, like one right behind the other, but did not realize that the other was right behind them. So then they both turned and waved at me at the same time. And I waved at both of them. And then I was like, Hey guys. And then they saw each other and then they got really excited to see each other. It was very cute. That's fun. Mm-hmm. fun well, that, did you say that was a halftime? Yeah. At halftime. And um, did you meet any of Dan's real life friends? No, just Dan. He was alone. Okay. At least when you saw him, he, he yeah. Didn't. I don't think he he's always in... alone. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, is he embarrassed of his friends? Is he embarrassed of you? It's one of probably the me. Probably you is right. We're back um, on the podcast here. Sixers have played two games since we last spoke on Wednesday. They played the game you're talking about against the Nets on Friday night, and then tonight they they played just a classic Sixers like ugly win against a terrible team against Oklahoma City. So we can start with Brooklyn. There's not a ton to talk about the OKC game. You were there. Um, how did you feel about it? Like the Sixers were up by like somewhere between five and ten for most of the game, and I was really and still am really impressed with the way they were able to defend Brooklyn without Ben um they it just seemed like they really held their own Joel did not have a great offensive game but his defense we can talk about that more but his defense was great 
Um, and I, they got enough sort of comp contributions from like Tobias and from uh, Seth. And then at the end of the game, you know, they had this great alley-oop from Tobias to Matisse and the stadium seemed great, which you can speak to. And then from there on, they couldn't score a basket. And this is a problem they have run into for years in big games is that they don't have a dynamic guard to, uh, to score at the end of a game. And they lost and Doc was awful in this game and, and didn't challenge a call. And we can talk about the gentleman he says is, is <laughs> whose job that is, who sits in the stand somewhere. Um, so tell me, what, what did you think of the game? What was the arena like? Um, Joel gave some comments beforehand, which makes more sense to talk about those later. But like, what was it like being in the arena? Um, it was really fun. That was really, really loud. There were a couple points of time where I, the Sixers like play didn't convert, but if it had converted, I'm mainly thinking of that Andre Drummond behind the back pass. Yes. Um, that if that shot had gone down, like I literally think the building would have <laughs> fallen down. Like it was just from the pass alone, it was so loud. So like if the shot had fallen, it would have been crazy. Um, like Zoo rang the bell, which was great um franklin came down from the rafters which i always personally enjoy wait what do you mean like they like, uh drop on, him from uh, the from like a rope from the ceiling <laughs> he like comes down from the sky like pink when pink did that did yeah that, yeah it's and he almost like landed on nick claxton i was like i hope he just like lands on nick Clax oh, claxton's back takes him so right funny. out <laughs> It would be like, which Lopez brother hates mascots? It would be like that part too. It would have been very funny. Robin, was this before the game or was this it, during a it timeout was like, or something? It was like before a tip-off. So like they're all like milling about the center and Franklin's like wow. coming in from the top. And I don't know that Nick Claxton knew that he was coming and it really <laughs> looked like he was going to land on him. It was funny. Okay, um, so yeah, it was, there were good vibes in the arena. And I wasn't like, I thought they were going to win the game, but I wasn't so like, distraught because I just think they got cold at the end and that's going to happen. And to, to defend Brooklyn at the way that they did and their shooting and ball movement looks so much better that I just think it was like an unlucky time to get cold. Like those Danny green air balls were tough. Like, and then the coaching was bad. The non-challenges were bad. And I guess those are like, that's not a, like a, chance situation like doc could be a better coach and like actually challenge correct calls um but yeah i don't know i wasn't that like bent out of shape about it not that it's unwarranted but like it was weird like i was just like over it i was like they are doing what they always do like i left before the end of the game like 20 seconds but i never do that i like to stay till the end mm -hmm. um and i was just like i'm over this like what are they doing but I'm, it's so early that i'm not gonna like I, i'm not like the sky is not falling for me yet, I should say. You know, they really should have won that game, you know, and it sucks that they pissed it away at the end. Um, the, but the problem they ran into is a problem that we all know that they have and that isn't going to get solved until the trade that we're all sort of waiting for, that Daryl is waiting for and all of that. Like, um, they don't have anybody on the roster that, that can do that right now. And I wish that they would give like Maxi more looks at the end of a game because maybe he can, you know, and he at least yeah. has some juice and, and can make plays for himself. And Joel had a very suspiciously low number of looks at the end of that game too, when they couldn't get a, get a bucket. So um, yeah, it was like, 
um, I was disappointed in it, especially because it was like they should have beat the Nets. Like they, they were at home, first game of uh, home opener, and they really should have beat them. Um, Drummond was great. I've, I've really enjoyed him. He didn't play tonight against OKC, but I can't believe how how much of a fan I've been of his. Uh, his yeah. I think I've said before, but he makes two out of 10 good passes but he tries all those eight, like the other eight, he thinks are going to be really cool too. It's so funny. Um, yeah. And I guess like, I'm just, there was a lot as bad as the collapse at the end was, I think there was a lot of stuff in those first, that first 90% of the game that was worth being excited about. So I am kind of choosing to look at that stuff more than the collapse because I'm used to that. They always do that. Like they don't always move the ball really well. So I'm going to be excited about it. It's true. Oh, talk to me about the defensive matchups. I think we had talked earlier in the day and it looked like with the Sixers starting lineup and the Nets starting lineup, my sort of guess was that Danny would be on Harden and Tobias would be on Durant. And they didn't do that. They had uh, Danny on Durant and Tobi- and uh, Maxi on Harden, Harden, which I thought was cool. I was like impressed that they would give him that ins- that assignment. But like second game of the year, I sort of like throwing him into the fire and making him. And I thought he didn't, you know, Harden, I think overall is getting up to speed and um, was, I think, rehabbing this offseason. But um, I thought Maxi was like as good as you would want him to be all things considered on, on, uh, Harden. And I mean, Durant just makes fucking everything. He's unbelievable. He just shoots. It's just like, it's really ridiculous. So what did you, were you surprised at those matchups? Yeah, I was surprised, but I agree with you. Like, I think it's kind of fun to throw Maxi into the fire and see what he can do. I think he seems like one of those guys that really wants to like rise to the challenge and I think that is a way to like have him improve his game and get better which is it kind of goes off of what you were saying like let's give Maxi looks in the fourth quarter and see what happens and see if he rises to like this challenge that we're giving him to like be that guy in the fourth quarter maybe he can maybe he can't but like that's there's only one way to find out right um the uh there were two plays down the stretch that uh, as I was watching I was hoping Doc would challenge them. The first one was an out-of-bounds play that I think we could see it go off of either Harden or or one of the Nets' legs. But then right after that, the Nets missed a shot and the Sixers had the ball anyway. So I sort of let that one go, and it was like, who cares? And then even later in the game, Danny takes what looked like a charge, but they called a block. That one was egregious. That was an egregious no challenge. So was the stadium nuts when that happened? Yes. Yeah. I was just like screaming, like his feet are set. Like, what are you doing? So, and somehow like, he's bad. It's like, I understand if doc doesn't think they're going to overturn that because it's like, it's a bang, bang play maybe. And they don't overturn everything you think they will, but like, what's the downside of challenging it? It's and not at least, the first quarter. Like it's the end of the game. What are you saving right. your challenge for right now? So, uh, Doc cleared this all up after the game. They said, "They said, Doc, why did you? Why didn't you just challenge that?" River said he didn't use a challenge because their guy behind the bench, who is tasked with reviewing those plays, gave him a thumbs down to all potential opportunities. Who the fuck is this guy? 
I need to know. Now, is it a coach and he is like obscuring their name so as to not sort of, is it, a, is it Bassy? It could be Bassy. We, he's not mm. doing much else. I mean, yeah. And, and, and Doc just giving this sort of implicit, like, like whatever you say goes. Like, I, you know, yeah. he's there watching the game, but he looks at his buddy and he goes, thumbs down. He's like, so it's like impractical jokers. They get either a thumbs down or a thumbs up. What do, what do you think? Who is this masked man that is the thumbs up or thumbs down guy? In my mind, he's just a fan that wears the same polo as the coaches. And so Doc is confused and thinks he's a member of the coaching staff, but it's really just like a season ticket holder that wears a polo to the games. <laughs> he was terrible in that. He, he was really bad in that game. And uh, I mean, I mean, coaches in the NFL do that too, where it's like there's the, the guys in the booth or in the whatever upstairs. Yeah. And I remember with Doug, it was like, there was one big call that he didn't challenge. And he was like, I just, they just tell me what to do. It's like, okay, then what the fuck are you doing? Then? Like, yeah. if you're what is like, your ha- job? Having somebody- <laughs> yeah. That's like when a, um, a head coach like doesn't call the plays on offense or defense. So it's like, what do you <laughs> what do all do game? You, do? you stand there. I don't understand what the plan is. Um, I want that, that job. Good. I want to yeah, be too. like a head coach who doesn't call the plays at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, uh, yeah, other than that, it was Maxi had a better second half than first half, which I think has been the case in all three games. He is not like a perfect fit in the starting five, just because it seems like it's hard for him to like distribute to all of the top players and know when to go get his own shot. He's not a quick trigger yet from three, which I think they've been working on him with. Um, I'm glad they're doing it. I believe in him and I believe in like his ability and, and what he could grow into this year. What have you thought about him uh, so far? I, I see Flash, he's incredibly fast. He gets to the rim, he's good with his floater. Um, but the jump shot is like, you know, taking strides. He hit one really cool step back three against Brooklyn. Um, yeah, what do you think about Maxi so far? Yeah, I think he's been fine. I He definitely is more comfortable with the second unit, but I think that's probably to be expected. Like, they're probably his closer, like, his friends. Like, they're all younger. Um, and I just think that's the kind of thing that takes time, like, playing with that first team and, like, learning how to distribute and get have everyone get theirs but also get yours and I just think you know he's what 20 he's a baby mm-hmm. like that kind of stuff and like you know you have Tobias you have Danny Danny's like in his 30s like these guys have been playing for a long time and it's just going to take him some time he, he's not you know he wasn't like a number one pick he wasn't like the prince who was promised you know he wasn't he's just kind of a point guard that's going to make his way into the starting lineup and see how it goes. Um, but like you said, I believe in him. I think that the way to get the most out of him is to throw him into the fire. So I think we saw, we'll, I mean, we'll keep seeing him make strides. We saw it last year. He got so much better by the end of the year than he was even in yeah. the beginning or middle of the year. So he's definitely a guy that gets better and works super hard. As for Joel, so his scoring totals have not been super high and he wasn't especially good uh, offensively against Brooklyn, his defense has been unbelievable, and and also his passing. He tonight he's he been getting a lot of assists. Like he's like on assists. triple double watch every night, and I'm like, what? Yeah, I think that there's something about the shooting that they have around him, and just you know, 
um, not having the teams like leading distributor, they're they're playing through him a lot more, even in like non post up situations. Um, I think the defense has been really impressive, just at the rim and switching when he has to and communicating. Um, the knee thing was sort of weird. He banged his knee on Wednesday against New Orleans, and he was questionable going into Brooklyn, and he played, um, and he went to the locker room in the first half a little bit early. He called for a sub and then went in there. He might have had to poop. We don't know. Um, and then uh, in this game, his knee was bleeding. Um, he, he had, like, on his tights, he had a bloody spot, and they made him go and change his tights. Um, in a weird way, that makes me feel a little bit better because if he has like a cut on his knee or something, like he just banged his knee and skinned it and it opened up or whatever, that's better than like, he has some sort of tendon issue right now that like, yeah, you're a doctor, you can speak to this, but like, does that make like, as a Sixers fan who just wants him to be healthy? Like, I thought it was a little crazy that he played tonight against OKC after sort of being questionable for Brooklyn. Um, but uh, well, he, he had to play healthy. because they needed a backup center and Charles Bassey is busy making the challenge calls. Yeah, so they yeah. would have had to play Paul Reed the whole game. So it doesn't right. work. We need, they, we need him to play. They've got Bassey in the, in the uh, uh, challenge yes or no division. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what, what do you think about the state of Joel's knee? Like, are you worried about it? Um, it's obviously not perfect, but how do you feel? Um, I mean, I'm always a little worried about it, but I agree that if there is like a, a surface kind of injury, because also like if you have a like a pretty like gnarly brush burn on your knee, like it makes it tight. It hurts when you run like you're bending that joint constantly and they don't always they don't they're not like super specific about like like your skin of your knee or your tendons. They just say knee. So it very well could just be like he's got a big brush burn under his tights that we don't see. Right. That's what I hope. Um, so that would be better than like a structural issue. I mean, they even, I, you know, I guess I don't know that it's only the sort of exterior thing, but he even like took it off and had them rebandage his knee. And you could see there's like a cut on it as if, you know, you fall. And, but athletically, at least tonight, he looked great. Like he was moving perfectly well. And they played him the whole first quarter where I feel like I don't think he came out in the first quarter. The only reason he came out was to change his thing. Oh, so they, okay. he went out for maybe a minute and then came back in and he was in through the rest of the first quarter. They, yet they they do these long stints with him because I think he played all of the third too. And then just a few minutes in the fourth, it was... Uh, um, I, I get the feeling that he likes to play sort of long stretches, then sit for a chunk and then, rather than up and down, up and down. Because yeah. uh, I think that's what they did with him last year. Um, Anything else from tonight against OKC? Seth Curry, just absolutely incredible. <laughs> the, the first quarter, he had six threes. He had 23 points. He, of course, ended with, I think, 27 um, or 28 or something. Um, he's been so good. There, Jackson Frank put out some stats about how good he's been since, like, the Washington series, because then – or game five of the Washington series. And um, he was incredible against Atlanta. Like, they needed every bit of what he had in that series. And then, you know, three games into this one, he's been really, really great. So anything on Seth or, or any of the other guys uh, in the rotation? Um, yeah, Seth has been incredible. I just think about that. He was like the return for Josh Richardson and how much of a better fit he is for our team. And he's just been so good. So I feel like that was 
just a winning trade for us. Um, I've also, we kind of talked about Tobias, like what, after Wednesday's game, after the opener, mm-hmm. I just think he's been like solid. He's like getting a lot of rebounds, which is not normally his thing. I just think he's been a little bit more aggressive on the glass and I, I like him. I don't know. Maybe it's cause he's so nice. I don't know, but I'm, I'm a fan. Yeah. You know, I, when he gets to his spots, he can like, he was going to the rim a little bit tonight. He's good in like the mid range area. Um, yeah. And I think he took four threes in the first quarter against Brooklyn and made two or three of them. Yeah. I was saying in, in the Brooklyn game, I felt like he took more threes because we were saying that after the, the first game that we wanted him to shoot more. And I felt like he did on Friday. So I don't know. He's just a lovely gentleman. He really is. Um, Bebo Paul, friend of ours, got some minutes tonight as the um, backup to Embiid with Andre Drummond. Drummond has like an ankle thing, but he was walking around. He seemed fine. Um, I was impressed. Bebo Paul, he like did not, you know, you worry that he's just going to sort of like make a bunch of mistakes out of basketball immaturity, just being young and, and inexperienced. But I thought that he really is athleticism and his instincts on defense are really good and he you know had some nice offensive rebounds and kicked it out to George Niang for a big shot I was happy to see him out there and I'm excited about him being like the third center especially on nights that Joel sits um yeah anything on on uh b-ball Paul yeah just happy to see him getting some minutes um he's always fun to watch and just in general, I think, I don't know if this is something that the team is, for, I mean, I'm sure they always work on it, but I feel like, and I should probably knock on wood because it's the bane of their existence, but I really feel like their turnovers have been really low this year so far. I feel like they're really taking care of the ball way more than normal and it'll probably revert back to their normal ways, but it's been nice to not like want to like bash my head in when I see that they had like 23 turnovers in a game. Well, Joel has been much better about turnovers in this small sample size. Like he has not been caught, you know, with his head down too much. It seems like even sometimes to a fault, like looking for his teammates when he starts to post up because he knows how frequently the double teams come. So, um, yeah, that was, that was good. Um, uh, point for point for con has been great. He obviously was excellent in the, uh, season opener against new orleans but he's like uh his playmaking has been pretty impressive and uh, i've been excited to see him uh do this kind of stuff and uh did you notice anything with furcon that that really stood out to you that is making him like an effective until the guns uh lou dort uh guarded him tonight when he two straight possessions just like Furkan could not dribble anywhere near him and doc went ahead and put maxi in um have you enjoyed the point for a con experience? I have because I, I never noticed this about Furcon last year and maybe he didn't do it as much, but I just feel like this year he's like very unafraid to like, he's drives to the rim a lot. Yeah. And I, I just enjoy that. It's like, take, get your buckets. Like you don't see a pass you like, like he'll take it himself. And um, I enjoy that. I like, I like the aggressiveness that he's playing with and like when his shot is falling, you can't, he can hit from wherever when he's taught, like it's good. And, uh, pick and rolls with him and Drummond have been really effective. Um, so that's been fun to watch. And I think that this experience will be helpful for him even when like shake his back or, or there's a new creator in here and all that. 
I guess he plays point guard for like the Turkish national team. So it's not like a completely new position for him. It's just new with yeah. this group of guys. So yeah. It's um he always had like a little bit of that creation stuff. Um, mm-hmm. but this is like really requiring it of him and he's he's been good at it. Anything else from these couple games? You know, it's like if you said after the first week of the season the Sixers were two and one and they lost to Brooklyn and you'd be like, all right, that's like about what you know the unbiased observer would think. It's just such a shame that they really should have won the Brooklyn game. Um yeah. but uh, you know it's a long year. There's a uh, you know two and one out of that first week. Yeah, I agree. It's like you I wish they were three and oh, but like I'll take it. It's fine. So we're gonna go to break. After the break. All we have to do at the end, we're going to make predictions. Uh, and before that, we're going to talk about Ben and just like what the updates have been this week and sort of a statement on how we move forward here in uh, talking about it or not talking about it, whatever. Uh, here's a break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, the week in Ben Simmons stuff. After the first game of the year, Woj reported that Ben came to the practice facility for a scheduled individual workout. He said his back is tight and uh, he left. Um, uh, this is very obviously uh, bullshit. <laughs> so like, you know, like Woj said as much in his report that the Sixers doctors looked at him and told him he's totally fine to go ahead and practice and he left um now remember he has not practiced since he was thrown out of the practice uh you know the day before the opener um so he described back tightness and then he left um you know shams had a report that day that ben is not currently mentally ready to play for the team and that he was receiving treatment. And then, so basically the next day, Ben comes in in the morning and meets with um, Sixers as a team and also Daryl and Doc and speaks to the team and, and basically says that he is not mentally prepared to do this right now, to play for the team. And uh, this is me assuming, but like, of course, also playing in Philadelphia for fans that are not, <laughs> fans of him anymore um you know within this process daryl goes on 97.5 and says a lot of things he said people should buckle up um and uh 
you know, this can go for a long time. If we can trade Ben Simmons for a difference maker, we will do it, which is just sort of wild to hear a GM talking so openly that like, sure, we'll trade this guy, but we need somebody good. It's like, all right, who are you, me? Like, can you <laughs> say less? Um, what's our best chance to win a championship? Right now it's reintegrating Ben Simmons to our team. I'm focused on winning the title. This is, these are all Daryl quotes. Um, he says, do you think I'm kidding? This could be four years. Um, That's my play. <laughs> so that is your play. You've mentioned that. Um, Daryl listens to the pod, I guess, you know. So let's, here, let's interject at this point and just say, like, what do you think the point of this was from Daryl? Like, I guess it's one, like, tempering fan expectations that, like, if you think he's out next week, it's very unlikely and this is going to drag on. Too probably too clutch to be like, get used to it. Like, I'm not taking a deal I don't like. And three, probably two teams around the league that are saying like, uh, he, he said like explicitly, I'm not trading him for role players and picks. Like, so like, what do you think was like the biggest driving force behind this Daryl candid interview? Um, I don't know. Cause I think it was crazy, <laughs> but I get maybe to other teams to be like, you can try and lowball us, but we're not going to take it. But like, then if they just make an offer and then they refuse it, like that's how they learn it too. So like, I really don't sure. know what the point of this was. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Do you have an idea? Are you in Daryl's head? I'm not. I, full disclosure. I am not. <laughs> I would say that the point was probably most pointed at clutch to say like all of these different things you're trying to do to like make me uncomfortable and make me trade him. It's like, well, now I'm publicly on the record with my own voice saying like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. And um, so we can talk about more with that. So basically Ben met with the team and said, basically I'm not mentally ready to do this to play basketball for you guys right now. And the team is, is helping him facilitate him to meet with professionals in this area. Um, we don't have specifics on it and I don't think it's particularly responsible or, or right to assume anything, you know, one way or the other. But that's what we know is that Ben is not, I don't think with the team, I don't know where it's gonna be. Like, I don't know if they're letting him go home to LA. I don't know if he's staying around Philly, but he's not going to be practicing and he's meeting with these people to try to help him with that. And, and the overarching thing is that he uh, doesn't want to certainly play right now, especially for the Sixers and also doesn't feel currently up for it. Um, Doc described the meeting where they all talked as like a positive step. Um, Tobias went on Twitter and basically said that they would support Ben through this. Joel at the game, <laughs> it's like Joel at the game, like, like literally used half of his like welcome back to the season thing, being like, please, please, like, welcome Ben back if he plays, and like, you know, he's still one of us. And I mean, Keith Pompey was posting pictures of the like Great Wall of China they're putting up outside the Wells Fargo Center because they're afraid of fans around Simmons and. Which is so, so weird because like, he's not there. So like, why is this there? Like he wasn't, it's not like he was at the game. So I guess like, they, 
I guess for when he gets there, they have this giant structure now, but also then he plays on the court and fans are like five feet from him. It's like, yeah, but like, I feel like they probably take it down for like flyers games. So I don't know why it needed to be up for the Sixers home opener. (laughs) Like it doesn't make any sense. Also makes me sad because I used to really like to yell at players after I had had a couple too many Bud Lights (laughs) after a game. Always positive things. I yelled at Jared Bayless. Way to hit your free throws, Jared, one time. It was the highlight of my Was that sarcastic or no? Um, Had he missed his free throws? I think he had made them. I think it was a positive. I think you're being more generous to yourself here after the fact, because I... Just hearing you say that, my guess is he clanked them. He didn't make those two free throws. But I think they won the game. I, I wouldn't have done it if they had lost the game. I'm not that mean. So... Here we are. This is the state of the stuff with Ben. And this new like wrinkle to it makes it a lot less fun, I think, especially for us to talk about this, you know? And also we're, we're fucking on the record for the last 25 podcasts about how we feel about Ben. I haven't changed anything that I feel about Ben on the Sixers. Like I do think that he designed, not designed, but created like the vast, vast majority of this problem that we're dealing with today. And I think that he is the person, he and the people around him, however influential they are, like they are to blame for the state of this relationship right now in many ways throughout the years. Um, When you introduce that element that is now there, it's not so fun to like do anything with it. You know what I mean? And also like, I don't think we're gonna have an update for a while here. Like. I understand that it's the smartest thing as a GM to be solely focused on winning a championship and, and be unrelenting with a, a player who has four years left on his contract and is 25 to like not do this. I guess what I think now is that now that this element has been introduced and like you can scrutinize it if you want and like, but if you're the franchise, you need to take it seriously. Like you cannot, you know, I guess, I think that it's sort of wrong if the Sixers keep trying to strong arm him into playing for the Sixers again, when we all sort of know this thing is fractured and we know that Ben is not okay right now with doing that, you know, for any any reason, you know, choose one. Um, And I guess what I'm hoping that this resolution means is that they let him go home and like, just like leave it. You know what I mean? Like, of course, support him medically if he wants that, but like, let him go home until there's a right trade. You don't have to trade him until you like find a trade that you really like, but like, stop trying to like force him to practice and play for the team because the whole point, which we've said on here before, but like was so that he would play and play great and like be the bell of the ball. Like all of a sudden, like Ben Simmons, incredible asset in Philadelphia. And like, I think there's so many factors that will lead to that not being the case. And I think that the league knows what he is. He's really good. He's not good at the things he's not good at. And like, this is who he is and he's under control for four years. And if you want him, you can get out. So, yeah, I, you know, this is the biggest story in the NBA that's not on the court right now. So we're going to have to talk about meaningful updates when they happen. But I think in terms of like the weekly, like, tweets that will come up that are like not really steps in any direction we probably don't need to do that uh as much um 
And I do just hope the Sixers and Daryl will just like fucking let him go home because like the team is going to trade him when they have a trade they like. He doesn't want to be here. Like on some level, apparently it's like him in Philadelphia is corrosive to his mental well-being, big or small. Like that's that exists and it won't be any better. You know what I mean? Like the fans are going to boo him a lot if he plays for the team and they have every right to. He has told the city to fuck off for the last four months like this is and and they've done this intentionally they want to get him out of here like uh, you know i get it but like you know joel asking you know the quote from tobias and the quote from joel is nice and it's like what i would want them to do as good teammates but like i don't think they really have jurisdiction over what fans are allowed to do that is within the realm of like human decency so that's that's it that's the end of the podcast thank you guys for listening uh we'll get your answer next week um (laughs) no what do you what do you think about uh all of this stuff um i agree with like a lot of what you said i just it's really just honestly like sad like the idea and i think we kind of knew this all along but to have it like put out in writing like i'm not mentally prepared to play here like to think that, you know, he's had something has gone so terribly wrong in Philadelphia, whether it be with the fans or the front office or his anything that happened here that like it's mentally damaging to him to be here. That's just like really sad. And I in no way wish like bad mental health things on Ben Simmons. I would I want him to be like happy and healthy. Um so yeah, I had said when all this stuff came out, like, I'm just like kind of done talking about Ben Simmons until he gets traded. Like, I don't really feel like I need to be, not that he's like listening to this podcast or reading my tweets, but like, I don't need to be like part of the thing that's making him like struggle in any way. Um, And when you come out and say like, it's not good for, like my mental health, it's a lot different than being like, I want to be the star on the team and blah, blah, blah. Like those are two Which very different said. things. They've, they've ran through a million different ones, but yeah. Yeah. So like, this is like, and if this, I, um, I wish that if this has been the issue all along and they didn't want to like come out with it, I just think it probably would have been better to lead with this than to lead with all of these other things of like, I don't want to play with Joel and I, and hate doc rivers for what he said in his post-game press conference and all the other stuff that has gone on um but yeah i the only thing that i don't know how it'll play out now is like the money piece of it um because i don't know that and this is a terrible thing but like i don't know if the sixers want to pay ben simmons to sit at home in la um but they might have to Based, I'm pretty sure there's like a mental health clause as like a thing with paying. I read in somewhere. Roach had that. Yeah, yeah. Roach had that. I'll pull that up. Um, so I think that might be like the sticking point in all this, and it's kind of like an ugly one that it's like all based on money. Um, but that'll be like the only semi-interesting thing going forward. Um, until I think a trade gets made, I'm just like interested to see how that shakes out. But as far as like little like you said like tiny ben updates i'm it's whatever so the what woe had in this piece 
uh, in this context is the Sixers have been finding Simmons for missing games, practices, and meetings, nearly $2 million this season. But there is a provision in the collective bargaining agreement that protects players' salaries for failing to render services if, quote, if such failure has been caused by a player's mental disability. Like, that's very clinical terminology. And, like, we certainly can't assume that this is, you know, what will happen or anything. That's just, as you mentioned, the financial aspect. Like, I guess it's also I not think. really like any of my business. I mean, I'm sure it will leak, but it's like not my business to know what's going on with Ben Simmons, like clinical mental health. <laughs> so like what I think, I kind of think whether or not it is designated that way for the Sixers, it's cruel if you pinch pennies here and like force him to show up miserable to prat. Like mm-hmm. who's winning in this? You know what I mean? Like I, you know, Dan has talked about how it's like a sort of like pissing contest between Daryl and Clutch at times. And like, nobody wants to let somebody else have the upper hand. And it's like, I I guess I only think the upper hand is if you trade him in a trade that you don't like and you do it just to be done with it. Like, I don't think he's going to do that. I would have done that today, but like, I don't think he's going to do that. So just stop trying to make him come into the situation that is not going to be good for anyone. And now He's telling you it's really not good for me. And like, I agree that he has a contract to honor and like, I totally get it. But like, it, it, you know, you can be a bit compassionate and, and also just like be a realist about the situation because like, he's not coming back and playing great. And like, it's all going to be wonderful. Like, it's just, it's over. Like that, that's not happening. So, you know, this is the option in my head is the sort of thing with like, um, that happens with like John Wall right now in Houston where they both sides know they're going to look for a trade and and in the meantime he's home or he's you know not playing um I know that they didn't want to do this because Ben is 25 and healthy and uh you know is under contract and and they want him to raise his value but like I just I just sort of think that this fantasy they had is unrealistic and it's now not going to be realized and like just at this point and also like i think you would look worse around the league daryl you know the sixers if you do after this has has become a, a topic of conversation if you do force him to come in and uh you know and anyway now you know since this has come out the sixers have only said that they're supporting him and all of that so that's my hope my hope is that like they have an understanding that like this isn't good for anyone anymore and like all of that. But yeah, you know, I don't think that much is going to happen for a while here. Um, so, you know, I think that when something legit happens, we will talk about it. But um, you're right. With all of the other excuses, it was more to be like, fuck off, like, you know, screw this guy, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And, and that's not to say that we take back the other stuff because it's like, that's, that's what they were putting out. Um, yeah. But for now, it's just like, not not so fun and uh-huh. and we do of course hope he's all right and like just wish for a resolution in this situation as soon as possible for everyone mostly us but everyone too anything else on this um one other quick thing that this is like weird and but i will be interested so at the wells fargo center 
they have all the banners up, like the big banners, the banners around the concourse. None of them have Ben Simmons on them. Not a single one. They have Jaden right. Springer on them. Not a single one has Ben Simmons <laughs> they on them. Jaden Springer on them? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Um, no Ben Simmons <laughs> on them. They did have in the like opening hype video, they did have a like small Ben Simmons clip. When it came up, everyone booed. <laughs> I will be interested to see the next time I go to a game if they take that clip out. Right, because they don't want that. Uh, like, I'm sure the, the arena staff does not want a hype video that fans are booing. Yeah, and it was interesting. I tweeted this, but there were, like, these two kids in Ben Simmons jerseys with, like, clown wigs and a clown nose, and they put them <laughs> on the Jumbotron, probably thinking, like, oh, these people are dressed up. It's, like, close to Halloween, and then realized, like, that they had Simmons jerseys on, and they were, like, whoo, they, like, moved the camera so quick. Um, I was, like, yeah, they don't want that on there. Um, so that kind of stuff will just be – I'm just, like, interested to see how they play it. Like, they didn't put him on any of the banners that will be up all year, but will they keep him in the video that they can change really quickly on their, like – MacBooks. It's a great question. It's a great question. Uh, when's the next game you're going to? Um, I'm, I'm going on Saturday. On Saturday, which is the Hawks. Hawks. Got it. Uh, speaking of which, we'll get to our picks here. Um, we do need to choose another gastro game. If anybody has free tickets they want to send to us because of all the work we do on the podcast, uh, we have a P.O. box. All right. So this week, six should play at the Knicks and then home against Detroit and Atlanta. Uh, no back-to-back here. Um, Dan has sent in his uh, picks. And oh, oh, and from last week, we all chose 3-0, and oh, so we're all 2-1. and one. Is that right? Yep. Okay. Um, all right, so... Here we go. Dan has chosen the Sixers to lose at New York to win against Detroit at home, and then to lose against Atlanta at home. So Dan has a two-in-one week. Emily, Cannell, what do you have? I have them winning all three games. I love it. Any particular thoughts about any three of the games? Um, Well, Detroit sucks. Mm -hmm. So I think they'll win that game. And I just think, I think the crowd will be really good on Saturday for Atlanta. And I think that, um, that Joel will want to win against Atlanta. Um, also, like Drummond will want to play, will probably play well against Detroit. Um, and I just think, like, based on the Brooklyn game, like, if we can just like hold on for three more minutes, like, we can win that game. And I think that Brooklyn is better than Atlanta. Um, I'm still not scared of them, even though they beat us in shameful fashion. Mm-hmm. in the playoffs but I still think that we're a better team and I think that we're playing so far like the way the team is playing right now um not that we're like a better team but I the style of play that they're playing with I I like it and I enjoy it more than the way they were playing against Atlanta so I think it will be a fun game yeah um the only game I'm thinking about is at the mix because that crowd is great uh, at MSG and they're they seem like a pain in the ass to play but I just also I, bad news we don't have Ben Simmons who has never wasn't he has never lost never the Knicks, lost the and Knicks. now we don't have him so we're probably we are probably gonna lose this good Knicks. point but despite that I'm gonna agree with you and say three wins um, all right because I don't really buy the Knicks thing I think they're gonna be in the play-in mm. um so yeah I don't buy it uh, I think they either 
lost or were losing to Orlando tonight, and they're terrible. Um, Charlotte beat the Nets, so they're Charlotte terrible beat the too. Nets. That's right. It's great. Um, all right, that's all I got. Do you have anything else for this week um, before we leave? Nope. Great. Um, Gastroenteritis Blues, uh, subscribe, follow that one. Uh, at Gastro Blue, Blue. Whoa. At Gastro Blues Pod is our friend Daniel. Um, Emily, anything you'd like to promote? Nope. Michelle season? I haven't watched it yet. Me and Gabrielle did the bet again, mm-hmm. where we looked at the profiles of the gentleman, the talking about the bachelor, and we chose just based on the profiles, three people, and whoever has somebody go the longest, this is a good time for you to turn off the podcast, but whoever <laughs> has somebody go the longest wins. It's great. Uh, I'm at Steve J. Lippman. You? Um, at third and girl with underscores on both sides of the and. Um, yeah. Survivor's yeah. really good this season. You should watch that. I, oh, wait, we watched. I was how you say I for most of it, but we watched uh, a lot of the first episode and really enjoyed it. But they're really doing sort of sticky really things. Like they're doing a couple things that I didn't expect that are like brand new, I think. Yeah. And no more come on in guys. And now I think it's just come on in. Come on in. Yeah. Come on in. Good stuff. Um, all right. Good talking to you guys. We will be back uh, in the middle of the week at some point talking about the Sixers again. Um, all right. Goodbye. Good to see you. Dan, we miss you. Uh, be safe and be great. Bye.